Welcome to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear our identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. And we're back. Chica, another episode of Rediscovering Biblical Manhood. Blessed to be back in the booth with you, Jay. And shout out to all of our listeners. Man, Jay, we were just checking the stats quickly this week. And we are just continually grateful for all of you that are rating this podcast and sending us notes. But Jay, here we go. Today, we're talking about a new topic. Yeah, we're, 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 we're heading to the end of this series. We've been on The Beloved Son. We've got two more topics. Today, we're going to be talking about the father in the parable. And then next week, we're going to be wrapping up with what does it look like to live as a beloved son? And today, we'll really inform that. Awesome. Well, I love this part of the story for me. Um, one, because I am a son, one, because I am a father. And so I can feel both sides of it as, as he speaks through. Heavenly Father, our Father, as we spend some time today reflecting on what it is to be in the Father's shoes, uh, Lord, we ask that you can just bring your spirit to this podcast, open our listeners' ears, and really give us a sense of what it is to be loved by you. Lord, we ask for your will in all we do today, and we just give you all the glory. Amen. Well, let's jump in. So a little context at first. While Jesus is telling this parable through the eyes of an earthly father, it's important to remember that the characteristics of the father he's talking about represent father in the Trinity, right? In the Godhead, which is God the Father. And so as we unpack this today, keep that perspective in mind, we're not just talking about an earthly father. We're talking about the characteristics of our of our heavenly dad. So what does that look like, Jay? Because outside of this story, we all have our own interpretation or our own experience with our heavenly father. Maybe we should go back through this text and have a look to what this father did and make the comparison. Yeah, exactly. And I think initially you might say, well, this father is a real failure, right? One son's a... Uh, totally wanders off. The other one's a jerk and he gets walked all over. Like he's not to be respected. He's not to be admired. This father has not done a good job and he's allowed himself to be humiliated in front of his community. Like in an earthly sense, he would have been more respected if, if he disowned these sons. Like that's what, that's what he would be expected to do in his culture. Jay, do you see any connection, you know, when the son asked for the inheritance and um, and the father just gave it to him, is there any connection for you between what the dad does in this story and what uh, God does to Adam and Eve uh, with, with the choice of free will? No, yeah, I think it's a wonderful connection. 
And I think you see God respond the same way to Adam and Eve. We've talked about this a little bit, but in the story of Genesis, once they sin and fall, they hide. And they had they had a, a, a tradition daily of walking in the evening with God in the garden. So he comes to walk with them and they're hiding. That's the way it reads. But but the way it's in, the way it reads in the Hebrew is that particular night when God came, he came into the garden like a hurricane. A part of the reason they were hiding is they could see God coming from far off and he blows into mm. the garden like he knows what's up. And but he then shows incredible mercy. He makes them close. He does he does drop the discipline, right? And they're evicted from the garden and and you know, the fall of man has occurred and you know, we're still living out that history. And and much like in our story, the father does allow consequences, right? He lets the young son go and destroy his life because he knows that he has to. And when we think about our heavenly father, he he's so close to us, but he lets us do those things, right? And over time, if we do them enough, we'll be separated from him over the long haul. But but he's always fighting to get us back. And so as we as we as we pivot back into the parable, what are some of the characteristics of this father? What we see is his incredible generosity, his incredible patience. But more than that, what we see is this is a father who is always watching, always waiting. You know, the, the part of the story that always gets me is the son is coming home. He's been gone a long time. And while he's still a long way off, the father sees him, recognizes him, and runs to him. And what Jesus is conveying to his listeners and to us all these centuries later is God is always with you. He's just waiting for you to come to your senses, like the younger brother does, turn around and head home. <laughs> well said, Jay. Come to your senses. My goodness. How many areas of your life, listeners, my life, listeners, Jay, your life, how many areas of our lives do we still, even though we have been in this for a while, need to come to our senses? My goodness. Um, something that stood out for me as you were just speaking through the father seeing him from a distance um, was that he runs to his wayward son, right? And then he embraces him and then he kisses him. And we know that back in those days, in Jesus's day, it wasn't customary for a grown man to run. Yet this this parable, and I can imagine Jesus telling this to all of the men standing around him, um, where the father is picking up speed, running to greet his fallen son, right? Breaking the, the convention, love and the desire for the restoration um, the, then, then there's the son that's just standing there with this prepared speech. Jay, have you ever, as a son, as a husband, ever had a prepared speech where you're going into the conversation, um, where you know, it's probably going to be a little tense. Oh my gosh. So many times as a son, as a husband, as a father, as an employee, as a boss. I mean, I think we do this all the time. We're always practicing. I I've done both sides, right? Where I've got the prepared speech. And then after a conversation has gone and didn't go the way I want, I've got the way it could have gone where I rethink re it a thousand times in my mind. But what I love about this, and you said it, right? Jesus, again, is offending his audience. He's got grown men running in their robes. Totally not something <laughs> that a Jewish man would have done in the first century. And what I think is so awesome is the father runs up. The son is trying to give him his speech. He's not even listening to it. He's putting 
sandals on his feet, a ring on his finger, and he's kissing them, all which connotes I am restoring your identity in who you are as my son, right? Back to the Heavenly Father. When we turn around and come to our senses, when we've been off sinning, when we've been separated from God, which is always our doing, not his, the first thing he does, right, before he listens to our speech and our apologies and God, I'll never do it again, he restores our identity. This is who you are. You are my beloved son. Because in that culture, he could have taken his son back and let him live as a servant and not a son. And that would have been acceptable, but he doesn't do that. I've been thinking about the spirit of adoption as you were just speaking there. I, I believe it's um, Ephesians, right? Where he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. And I just, I watched this idea of the father watching him come from afar, or as you said earlier, right, L waiting for him. Uh, and it just starts to represent everything that we receive, like we receive from Christ upon salvation, right? That the father runs to him, and then there's the robe of the Redeemer's righteousness kind of pushed over him, which I know that when we did a study back in Isaiah a long time ago, Jay, listen to this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, my soul shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress as his bride adorns herself. You know, I, there's just so many connections here to all throughout the Old Testament and the New when we're thinking about this spirit of adoption, you know, that the feet were fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I mean, we we talk about the 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 armor that we put on every single day, you know, prepared to walk in the ways of holiness, even when you think of Ephesians 6.15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I mean, there's just so many connections here, Jay, to everything that we've been uh, receiving, uh, like we did with Christ upon salvation. Well, and this is where, that's really well said, and this is where pivoting back to the older brother makes sense for a minute. God is in the business of salvation and restoration, right? The parable of the lost sheep, he is leaving the 99 to chase the one. The older brother represents the saved Christian mm. in this scenario, right? Mm. Or the Pharisee of their time where he's good, he's in, but now he's become so self-righteous that he's asking God, like, why are you off chasing that dirtbag? Like, and we have to remember, God is in the business of chasing the lost. And our job is saved believers who are walking with the Lord is to be right beside him in that. In this scenario, the older brother, if he was living by the fruit of the spirit, should have been out there hugging his younger brother right alongside the father because a lost soul has returned home. And so we're not doing that. We become still self-righteous. We're like, I'm not going to give money to that homeless guy. I'm not going to talk to that person who's living a certain way, blah, 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 whatever. But, but that's who God's after. He's not, he's always after us, but we have him now, those of us that are saved. And we're supposed to join the mission of chasing down the one we're supposed to be looking far off and always waiting for the person who's trying to get home. What a gut check, Jay. Gosh, to all of our listeners this week, maybe even just thinking back through last week, how many times have you worn the robe or the hat of I'm already saved, but they're not, and I'm so much, not better, but I'm not going to engage because... He who walks with the wise, right? Only those that are like me can be around me. I'm surrounding <laughs> myself with good people, wise people, right? Not the dirty people. How dare they? 
I love that. Yeah, I mean, it is very clear in scripture that we do need a small cohort of fellow believers that we are that we find regular time to get nurtured with. But then like Jesus, we're supposed to be out in the world, not of the world, but in it. Like Jesus ate with sinners. He ate with prostitutes. He did not hang out with the Pharisees all day long, you know, just talking scripture. He did some of that, but when he was doing it, it was mostly to re-educate him. But no, he was out in the dirty, right? He was out in the dirty with the great unwashed masses. And, and that's our mission once we're saved. But I often become like an older brother and it gets even worse for me. I'm not even judging others, although certainly I fall into my fair share of that. I start judging God. Like I have, I have free will and God allows me to use it. And I'll be like, why is it like this? It shouldn't be like this. Why is the story going this way? If I was in charge <laughs> and then I am separated from God, the older brother gets separated from God because he thinks things ought to go a certain way. He wants to run the larger story. He wants to be the author. And part of, for me anyway, and my layman's interpretation of being saved is we are characters and God has written a part for us in the story, but we're not the author. Like it's so easy to say, I can't believe in God because Bad things happen to good people. Well, God said they would. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. Good things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. We all die in the end, as the teacher says in Ecclesiastes, and we all go naked, as they say in Job, back to our father the way we came. And so getting involved in the story means leaving behind our version of what things ought to be like. The older brother, he's struggling with that, and the father shows him mercy, gives him free will to, to not come into the party. And shows him mercy by coming out. I mean, this God, this father in this story, and like our heavenly father, our God is always just waiting. He's incredible. Jay, I'm a dad of two daughters. Jay, you're a dad of two daughters and two sons. Before I ask you, um, which do you prefer, being a father of daughters or fathers of sons, last night I had a very interesting, unplanned night where we sat down as a family and Mum was just flicking through the, the the TV and on the TV comes that Disney movie that was a cartoon, but they've now made into a real life movie called Mulan. Have you ever seen that real life one? No, I haven't seen the live action one. Uh, dude, think Lord of the Rings. Think everything that we're talking about today in terms of a, a strong, courageous daughter. Um, and they, you know, they did a fabulous job. But right at the very, very end, as I'm watching this scene unfold, I'm like, Jay and I are talking about this tomorrow. So listeners, if you have not checked out the real life version, here's a quick promo, just because of the story is very, very similar to everything we're talking about. But let me bring it back, Jay. I mean, I was tearing up there at the end too, because the father steps into the courtyard and Mulan, as Mulan returns, I'll let you go and figure out the rest of the story on your own. Uh, but Jay, as, as a dad, your heart, you quickly run me through, do you have intentional actions, intentional intentions? when you're talking to your daughters versus your sons, just on, here, here on earth? I do. I was very lucky to read a book early in my fatherhood by Meg Meeker called Strong Father, Strong Daughters. I mean, I recommend it to every man I know that has daughters or even a wife. So that's all I mean. Strong Daughters, Strong Fathers by Meg Meeker. We'll try to put that in the show notes. But he, she, she's a doctor and her entire practice is teenage girls. And she talks about, you know, women interpret things different than men. And you have to be so careful 
what you say to girls because you're always shaping their identity in a different way from boys. I love being a father of boys. I love being a father of girls. Boys add a level of chaos. I'll tell you a funny story, Chica. Last night, my boys were at work and me and my wife and my two daughters were playing a game at the, at the table. It was very calm and it was very peaceful. And one of my daughters said, wow, this must be what it's like at the Eloy's all the time. Because, <laughs> you know, the boys just add a level of chaos. Yesterday morning, we had a family breakfast, you know, and my, my, my kids are older. My oldest is 20. We don't get to do that very often. And it's just fun because it took me back because it's just chaos. The boys just mm. add a level mm. of chaos that, you know, all of you that have sons know what I'm talking about. But back to what we were talking about, Meg Meeker said, the voice that will resonate loudest in a woman's mind is her father's. And so you better be careful. And the story in her book, she has tons of stories, but the one that checked me up was a family was driving and the young girl put her feet, she was in the back seat. She put her feet through the middle on the center console. And the dad just reached down and playfully tapped his daughter's feet and said, oh, your feet are getting so big. Dad didn't mean anything bad by it. He was being loving and joyful. That young girl started to hide her feet. And I'm like, so, and that has translated to me being careful what comes out of my mouth around my wife. I'm so thankful I read that book early. I'm so careful what I say to my girls. It's not that I'm not careful what I say to my boys, but my boys will interpret what I say differently. I can say things to them that calls them into manhood, that calls them up, right? That shows them they have what it takes. I can challenge my boys in different ways and I will challenge my girls. I challenge my girls. I'm calling them into a bigger life also, but I have to remember my voice is resonating loud in a different way. It's resonating loud in my son's minds too, but in a very different way. So I'm so cautious of what comes out of my mouth around my girls at all times because the smallest thing. Yep. And I taught this to my boys, by the way. And I, I use that example of the feet. And my boys are like, that's dumb. I'd never think that. And I'm like, yeah, but the women in your life will. Mm -hmm. So be thoughtful, boys. Everything when it comes to body, when it comes to food, when it comes to image, right? I stay well away from making hard comments, even outside of the house, right? When we're in public or when we see something on TV, I'm very, very cautious. That's a really good high five. And it's a very cool book, Jay. Um, all right. Well, let's turn the corner real quick because we are on the father and we're talking about he was lost and he is now found and the father just absolutely throwing a, a party. Anything else that sticks out for you when it comes to the feast, when it comes to um, not condemning, Rejoicing for the son that was dead and is now alive, lost and now found. My interpretation of this parable is Jesus is desperately trying to get his audience to understand who the real father in heaven is, right? They've locked him in a set of rules. They've made him very rigid. And Jesus is trying to display through his own actions in his parables. You have this incredibly passionate, loving, engaged, funny adventurous father in heaven who wants you to take your role in his story, doing all those things. And he's trying to get to you. And he just wants you to say yes to him, say yes to him and live as a beloved son, live as a beloved daughter under the protection and banner he provides. And we're fighting it. And I think the message for our listeners is if you're fighting it today on a hundred different levels that you might not even be aware of, he is wherever you are. If you're driving in your car, he's sitting right next to you right now. Mm. If you're listening in the shower, if you're at the gym, he's right there with you. And if you will just turn 
ask, what is it that's blocking and how do I lay it down? He will tell you and he will embrace you and he will put a ring on your finger and he will put sandals on your feet and he will kiss you and he will say, my son was lost, wandering away, gone. Depending on where you're at, if you're a believer and you're just not paying attention, he said you got lost for a minute there, you're back. If you're not saved and you happen to have found your way to our podcast, this is your invitation. You have a God, the God of the Bible, who is chasing you and everything you're carrying and all the weight on your shoulders right now, he is inviting you to lay it down and just say yes to me and I will change the trajectory of your life.